is Children of the Universe, sung by Battle Cat. Was the best Eurovision costume Gina G's twat? In episode 288 of Answer Me This, Scott from Long Island delivered the curse of emailing in and saying whenever I email a podcast, the next episode, they announce that they're finished. Ollie, anything to announce? Nothing to announce. Hey! We are laughing in the face of your curse, Scott. Oh, do you think this is dangerous, though? Tempting fate that uh, as soon as we finish this episode, uh, one of us will be chopped in half. It's a shame in a way that the curse doesn't work because I could think of a few podcasts that I would like him to write to if it did oh yeah (laughs) but uh, but sadly no does it work if we pretend to be him but I think he has to love the podcast in order for it to work that's harder to cheat isn't it that is harder to cheat yeah Yeah. maybe he doesn't love us enough in, oh, in, if this was a Disney oh. film version of the curse, then that would be the twist, wouldn't it? Well, so whichever way Scott's curse had panned out, we were going to be offended by yes, it. Yes, I think that's right, yeah. Thanks a bunch, Scott. In last episode, we also tackled Erica's question about how to keep those pesky darn neighbourhood kids off her lawn. Mm. And Lawrence has quite a simple and non-aggressive solution that the other neighbours won't look at and think, well, that's a bit rude of her trying to get rid of our kids. He suggests, why not set up a sprinkler on the front lawn? This will deter the children in the colder months. Yeah, in the colder months. The mm. problem is it will attract the children in the warmer months, won't it? Yeah. So that's why that won't work. Well, if the children still play on the lawn, some sprinklers come with built-in reservoirs to store liquid fertilisers to combine <laughs> with the water. This will make the children grow bigger. <laughs> um, and also kind of similar to your turd suggestion there. It's a liquid version of my cover your lawn in turds <laughs> suggestion. A lady called Sam in London has also this uh, quite scientific suggestion. She says, Erica could try the mosquito alarm. It's a high-pitched whining noise that only the youth can hear because adults' high-frequency hearing decays as we age. It's amazing that that product is allowed to be sold. I always mm. think that when I see that advertised. I know that it's, it's mainly to get rid of animals. It's always advertised as, keeps cats off your lawn and ho, 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 might get rid of those pesky kids as well, ha, ha, ha. If it was the other way round, if it emitted a tone that was so low that only elderly people could hear it, would they ever advertise it that way? I reckon they would. Keeps the mosquitoes off your lawn and all those pensioners, ha, ha, ha. I don't think oxygenarian delinquency is a thing, Ollie. It's the free love generation, isn't it, who are now pensioners? Mm. There could be pensioner orgies going on that you or might not want on your lawn. drugs on your lawn. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a pretty good suggestion. But here is some more advice from the phone line. Hi, Helen, Ollie and Martin. Uh, this is John from Portsmouth. I have factual information and proof of what works. And I had a similar problem uh, when I lived in a close and the children would come up to the end to play football and, and would happily ping their football inside of my car which I found quite annoying. And you don't want to be the person in the street that everyone hates. So what I did was I would go to the park and collect quite a lot of dog dirt, and I would spread it all over the street under the cover of darkness, chuckling profusely, I hasten to add, and gone. Children, gone. No one ever meant... And I did it for probably only two weeks never saw them again didn't have to do it again the turds they just didn't even bother wandering up the street so i can guarantee you kids hate turds just like i do so that was my suggestion cover the lawn in turds so there you go it works it works i'm glad to have been proven right thanks john what's nice is we're recycling a waste product here as well turds you know turds he's cleaning up the park which is very altruistic yes something that is often required isn't it by the local council they're Mm. trying to find volunteers to do that because people should clear up their own dog's poo but they don't uh, and then this way, you're actually taking that waste product and turning it into something uh, mm-hmm. that will not only keep children off your lawn, but also acts as fertiliser as well. Yeah. Um, I apologise for suggesting that my idea was better than 
yours, Helen, because obviously you do win with the turds. Thank you very much. As so often. The problem with my turd solution <laughs> is you've got turds all over your lawn. Here's a question from Jim in Tewkesbury who says, My current girlfriend recently disappeared to the bathroom to freshen up. Mm-hmm. Having allowed this idiom to roll around my brain for a while, I've not been able to deduce what it might mean. Is there... No brain function in there, Jim. (laughs) Mm. Uh, The list of possible functions one can perform when alone in a bathroom seems practically endless. If you're an idiot, yeah. You've got a bored imagination. So, Helen, answer me this. What is the ugly truth of what really goes on when a lady freshens up? What does he expect? That she's behind there spritzing herself with lemon juice? I can relate to his confusion... The downstairs department of a lady, for a lot of gentlemen, is such a foreign planet, such a mystery, um, (laughs) that it's uh, the undercarriage, Helen, uh, that it is conceivable that if someone says, I'm going to go and freshen up, it could be a euphemism for sticking a feather duster up there. I mean, you've no idea, really. That's a horrible image to put in everyone's minds. Well done, Ollie. But I guess that I always thought it meant going for a shit. Well, it's minimum a piss. Mm. Because women do need to go, Jim. And if you're that mystified by her saying these things then this could come as a shock to you but women do perform the same evacuation functions as men yeah but actually why aren't they a bit more frank about it i I don't know i know a lot of women will say men talk too much you know announce loudly i'm going for a poo that's the thing and women don't like that generally that's not very that's not true at all martin (laughs) martin does it regularly and women tend not to do that so much but is that a um uh a remnant of a time when they were worried about being ladylike or is it just they have better sense of manners? I, yeah, I like to think it's a remnant of a time when there are more interesting things to talk about than bowel movements. Yeah, but actually saying I'm going to powder my nose, that's the other euphemism, isn't it? Well, that's now for people who are doing coke in the bathroom. Well, this is it. It's actually more confusing than just saying, oh, I need to go for a wee, see you in a sec. So why do people say freshen up? Why say it at all? Why not be more well, transparent? Well, yes, your, your girlfriend is being old-fashioned in this way. Yes. But I think Jim is being deliberately obtuse by not understanding. <laughs> when he says the list of functions, does he think that she's like filling the bath with water and then staging uh, an aquatic battle with toy boats? Uh, in a way, I'd like to see the list. Jim, please yeah. do email us back with the whole list. If he's saying endless, it has to have a minimum of 30 plausible <laughs> suggestions what she could be doing in there. Yeah. I think freshen up, though, is a weird connotation to have with going to the toilet. It's not as coy as Americans calling the loo's restrooms, where people go and have a nice rest. Yeah. Cloakroom is the most euphemistic. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, where's the gentleman's cloakroom? I need to, I need to go and piss in my pocket. <laughs> on, uh, on sort of online uh, games, I've heard people refer to a comfort break, which I think is quite a nice That's way of quite putting it. Well, that is actually yeah. true as well, because it can be quite uncomfortable. It can, when being burdened with... Or, discomforting things. Yes. Or really nerdy people sometimes refer to it as a bio-break. Which I quite like. Bio break does sound like bio waste, biohazard. Then you would wonder what is going on in the bathroom. That's even more euphemistic than freshening up. <laughs> flushing a barrel of nuclear waste down your toilet. <laughs> yeah. I'm cloning a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here's a question from Tori who says, I just sat down in Pret and on the empty table next to me is a tray of half finished food, a few dirty mugs. I don't use mugs in Pret, it's all paper cups. That's a good point. Unbelievable, actually. Tori. I don't believe this story at all. You've it's made it up. Part of the That's a good point. You know, I've not thought about that. Why is that? Because in Starbucks, Costa Nero, if you dine in, you get a mug. Because Pret, everything is Everything's in paper, isn't it? Yeah. They know their market, and it's a market that has to flee mid-meal. But if you have to pay extra and stay there to listen to the jazz music, VAT nightmare, as it says on the tills, um, then you think they give you some mugs. I think they don't have washing up facilities, because do they need them? No. Well, they never thought about that. It's not even the question. No mugs, Tory, but... Let's see what other lies are in your email. Well, no, this is the exciting bit. This is the other thing that's on the tray next to her at the table in Pret. An unopened brownie. Whoa, you hit Mm. the jackpot. (laughs) She continues. 
I really, really like Pret brownies. Okay. So, Helen, answer me this. Would it be against the law for me to take this brownie? How would finders, <laughs> keepers, losers, weepers hold up in a court of law? As if that kind of petty theft would get to a court of law anyway. Yeah, that would be Stealing a good a brownie, use of our system. Yeah. Yeah. If they've just popped out to the restroom, mm. or if they've just gone to get some extra things, then yes, that would be bad. But if that table has definitely been permanently departed from by the brownie owner Mm. then i i couldn't find the legal position on this but i think it's fine and if you want to dress it up as not fine you can say it's freeganism because in prep we know that they like to use up the unbought food and give it away to homeless people so maybe they would also approve of you using up something else that might just go in the bin i think it's not as good as giving it to a homeless person but you have to do have to balance the morality of wasting a perfectly good food item mm. in this society mm. of abundance. Yes and no. In. Yes and no. If you were sitting in the Apple Store and someone had left behind an unopened iPad, yeah, it's fair game. Exactly. <laughs> I think, but, but I think you, the more valuable the item, exactly. the more moves you have to well, make. I deliberately to return choose it. an extreme example there, mm. but there's obviously there's muddy water in between, isn't there? And I think because a brownie is is relatively cheap, you don't make the same connection as if someone left behind something that was worth even three times as much. Yeah. I think also the brownies in pre- are sealed, and that makes a lot of difference. Mm. If it was, say, a full-looking pint of beer in a pub, you might still be dubious. If it was an untouched-looking plate of chips, again, you might think, hmm. But well, you- this seems like a... A safe product. When you say that, I mean, I had this exact dilemma just a few weeks ago. I went out for lunch uh, in a really posh um, tea rooms in Cheltenham. Uh, if anyone's from Cheltenham, they'll know exactly the place I mean. It's the one that says it was the first tea room in Cheltenham. I bet they all say that. And that, No, this is like, it's very... It's kind of had a makeover and they call themselves an artisan bakery now Oh, well. no! So, yeah, no, but it's quite nice, but, you know... That's you, an you, annoying term, You're though. getting a flavour of the place. Even though yeah. you're in the provinces, you're talking 12 quid for a sandwich, oh, right? Oh, dear. So, I was there. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Table of a posh family next to us, two screaming kids that wouldn't sit down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Orlando and Olivia, you know, making a lot of noise, wouldn't shut up. Yep. Parents trying their best to be sort of relaxed and cool and just having a sandwich. And then in the end, just freaked out. It's like, look, we're leaving, we're leaving. Come on, <laughs> come on, Orlando, we're leaving. And they left, and they left behind two undrunk, I mean, I saw the kids had not touched them, mm. chocolate milkshakes. Oh. Now, like I say, this is That's a probably posh worth place. about 18 quid then. Yeah, they were probably about six pounds each. The chocolate milkshakes were made with three scoops of decent Whoa. quality ice cream. There were jelly tots on top. <laughs> I mean, no, they, too much, too they look really good. But I'd seen the kids kind of putting their mucky fingers all over yeah. the cup and like breathing on it. Yeah, that is a bacteria lab. And adding the jelly tots. Oh, no. And no. so I just thought, okay, I can't drink that. Those are left behind by children. But I really thought about it because I thought those are just sitting there. Yeah, but if there's a straw in there, you could drink the bottom of the milkshake and then just leave it in. So the, so there the was jelly a straw top, in there. The jelly tot infected layer was, yeah. wasn't going into your body. So you, would you have done that? I don't know. There was a straw. Oh, I could so have hard. done that. I could have done that. It's so difficult, Ollie. But it's just seeing the mucky children's hands all over it. I thought, no, mm. I'm not going to. And did you want them? Of course Were I wanted Were you in the them. mood? Because sometimes I'm not in the mood for that. Well, yeah. you see, but it was a convenient middle ground for me as well because I wouldn't have ordered the chocolate milkshake because it's yep. disgusting because I'd already had a sandwich and a coffee. However, mm-hmm. seeing them drink it, I was thinking on some level, oh, I'd like a taste of that. And then it was there. Mm. It was like God wanted me to, to dive in and take it when they left. Two of them as well. One for you, one for your girlfriend. I know, I know. Your girlfriend is more concerned with matters of hygiene than you. Did you mm. voice this wish to her? I wouldn't dare. Right, okay, so so you didn't have a discussion and then decide not to? In fact, I probably would have waited for her to go to the bathroom to <clears throat> freshen up yes. before I leant over and uh, completed the milkshake by myself yeah. without even her knowing. Mm. She would be disgusted that the thought was even in my head. It wouldn't be in her head. 
I think if I'd been with you, we would have goaded each other to do it. Yeah, I think that's probably right. This is a much more complex situation than the, the simple act of taking food. So what you should have done is waited till your girlfriend go and freshen up, yeah. drink, say, 60% of the milkshake really, really quickly, and then mm. put it back on the table. She wouldn't even notice wouldn't know. yeah. that that had happened. That's right. Yep. And also, you've got the positive effect here that the child is unlike... I mean, we've already seen that the child is being disciplined. The yeah. parents want to get out there as soon as possible. They don't deserve this milkshake. <laughs> no, not Jelly gonna... tots don't even go with chocolate. <laughs> they're Ugh. not going to come back and try and claim the milkshake that they'd opened, and, effectively. And also, you could always pretend it had been cleared away. But mm-hmm. there is a danger, is there not, with the brownie situation in Pret, unlikely as it may be, that, you know, due to the, the fast-moving nature of a convenience food store, the person may have only left that brownie there two minutes yeah. ago. They may walk halfway down the street and think, oh, brownie, well, go back and you're eating OK, it. cover story for Tori. She takes all of their stuff off the table and clears it away into the recycling <laughs> bins yeah. and then keeps the brownie. And then if they come back for the brownie, she can say, I'm really sorry, they cleared it up. Yeah, because they do have to bust the tables quite regularly. Then though. adding fraud to theft. No, this is my brownie that I bought. What a coincidence! <laughs> if, if she wants to salve her conscience a bit, maybe she should uh, give the value of the brownie to a charity. Mm. Little thing that I used to do in prep. I'm not proud of this. I'm just saying it because it's relevant. You're a bit proud, I reckon. Um, I'm, no, I'm really oh, not. I'm not proud of this. Did you pretend you were taking out so you didn't have to pay the extra VAT to no, have it does. in? Still do that. Oh, okay. Still do that. I still think if you're sitting outside, yeah, if you're sitting on the chair and table outside in the cold in winter, mm-hmm. VAT nightmare should not apply only applies within the walls i think so um so no i still do that okay. but there's something that i used to do that i'm not proud of mm-hmm. um but i feel like i've made it up to pret since because their prices are you know quite dear yes. and i go there quite a lot mm-hmm. um is i used to go to the to the cash till mm-hmm. pay for my sandwich and then i'd say oh oh can i have um can i have an orange juice i'll get it out the fridge on the way out and they'd say sure and they'd inevitably i never specified you see inevitably charge me for the regular I'd go and take the large. What? So, so, I'd, so they'd charge me like pound forty, which is a lot for orange juice, but the large is like three quid. You did that on purpose? Like, constantly, You're on so, a daily basis. That is so dishonest. Every day I took a large orange juice and only paid for it. You're like a grifter, like John Cusack yeah. in that yeah. film. Yeah, well, it's not <laughs> going to so, end well then. Someone punch you the baseball bat. <laughs> if you've got a question, email your question. To answer me at this podcast, give a in West Sussex has been back in touch with a couple of questions regarding American culture. Good, we like that, don't we? We do, we? like don't questions, we, we like American culture, we like Sussex. I suppose we do, yeah, my yeah. parents live there. We like Neil's questions. There's nothing so far, Neil, that I have to take against we you We do here. like Neil from Crawley. He's we good do. at questions. He's good. Uh, he says, Ollie, answer me this, what exactly is a homecoming queen? Wouldn't it be great if that was slang that was used within Windsor Castle? <laughs> oh, she's on her way. Yeah. <laughs> Sound the siren. Homecoming queen, everyone. <laughs> Ship shape. I'm glad you asked, because only as a result of researching this do I now know that it is, in fact, entirely distinct, the phenomenon of the homecoming queen, to that of the prom queen. Is it mm. at the beginning of the school year and the prom queen is at the end of the school year? Yes. Oh, oh. good guess. Um, and the prom queen is really just for the prom. Well, because the prom is at the end of term, then you've basically got a day of it, haven't you? It's not yeah. like you've got a few weeks to lord it over everyone as prom queen. That's right, but as homecoming queen you get a whole year whole year being a bitch according to all those teen movies yeah it's the equivalent of being head girl i suppose uh, in, mm. a, in a sort of traditional uk school well it's more like being winner of a beauty pageant and then having to go and open village fates all year well only in that uh if you went to a school where head girl was decided undemocratically by the teachers <laughs> yes uh, but are you my, bitter um <laughs> why would i be bitter i was head boy 
Were you? I got to be head boy and it was decided democratically by the students, did best I, of all. Did I know Genuinely this? the most popular. Is that because you had an ace PR campaign? <laughs> of course. Okay. My poster campaign featured um, a still that I ripped off the internet. It's before Google Images, it was harder than it sounds, uh, of Marlene from Neighbours. I think that's Ugh. why I won. Why were you doing that to people? She was the worst. Because all the other people standing for head boy were taking themselves quite seriously and they were putting up headshots in which they looked, you know, relatively glamorous. Yeah. So I, I, I undercut that, Helen. Put up pictures of Marlene from Neighbours. The joke really was, though, that everyone knew who I was anyway. So actually, yeah. it was much more arrogant than the people who were putting up a picture of themselves looking good. And I suppose you did look a bit like her. Yeah, a little bit, yeah, for uh, a 17-year-old boy. And then were you able to rule? Because that just just having a flash campaign doesn't mean you're qualified. I did preside over a petition to get a goldfish bowl in the sixth form centre, but I don't believe that ever materialised. That's very sad. It's because I had to work with the head of the Environment Committee, who was a sap. <sighs> I think this may be the first I've heard of this, unless I've just forgotten it. But I'd, I'd always associated you with Rushmore, but not so much Tracy Flick. Uh, um, no, I was I was precocious and prodigious in my sixth form. I did everything yeah. worth doing. God, you did. Yeah. Well, then what happened? It all went downhill from then. Why did your political career end there? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to the homecoming queen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, beginning of the year, I think a great way to start the term in a way to have a crowning and actually mm. have a ceremony where they crown the king and queen. There's a banquet, very often a football match. There's a parade in some towns. Shit. I mean, all we did at my school at the beginning of term was sing Jerusalem and go on litter patrol. Well, litter needs to be picked up while singing Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, because green and pleasant land does not have empty coke cans on it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this has been going on in various parts of America since the mid 1800s. Wow! Yeah. Was, was it one of the only occasions where boys and girls were allowed to associate with one another? I wonder Public? if it was more like one of the only occasions where people could secretly express their desire to have a monarchy. <laughs> you can be proud, can't you, of this last bangled banner and yet also think, yeah, homecoming queen, want one of them. Do you have duties throughout the year as a homecoming queen or is it just being adored and going out with the head of the football team? <laughs> I think it's basically that. Right. Well, that's my interpretation from modern movies as well. And they tell the truth, don't they? they of course they do. <laughs> Not just a very broad brush interpretation of it. And the thing is... I. I wonder whether American schools, American universities, American small suburban towns mm. are actually cooler than British ones. Uh, I think the answer is yes. Because they're self-mythologising. Because they mythologise their own culture so much. Mm. You know, there isn't... I can't think of a British film that's about a place like Tunbridge Wells or Stanmore. No, that glamorises sedan chair races. Yeah, that's just about yep. suburbia and uh, middleness. Oh Yeah, because here we'd have the May Queen in a village, say. But yeah. You don't get films going, wow, Michelle's been made May Queen, but she's going to go out with the head of the football team. I'm never going to be able to go out with Pete because he goes out with Michelle, the May Queen. <laughs> that just wouldn't happen, would it? But more broadly than that, like our schools aren't... Like either British films show life as train spotting or as four weddings and a funeral. I know that's <laughs> generalising, well, but essentially it's posh or it's dark. Or in if, it's both. Indeed, but there's very few occasions where you get what you get in American films all the time, which is it's actually a normal town with a with a couple of McDonald's in it and a Dunkin' Donuts in a street. That's that what looks... the Inbetweeners does. Yes, yeah, yes, the Inbetweeners yeah. is next one. There's very few like that, yeah. though, isn't there? There was a big spate in the 70s, wasn't there? It's all Gregory's Girl, Patangian, Capabang. That yeah, that's kind of true. Crowd. Yeah. So is it just the seniors that get to be homecoming queen? And how are they elected? Uh, it is. Um, I think how they're elected varies from school to school, but I think it is a democratic process. It is popularity vote. But it is based on looks and popularity, isn't it? Not on academic merit. Well, 
Uh, they do have, apparently, in some places, homecoming prince and princesses, yeah. uh, which is in every year below the senior year. Mm. Um, so you can, at every age, have one. And then in some politically correct schools, apparently, there are duke and duchesses for kids with special needs as well. So it's not just about popularity. Yeah, but it is It is not about academic achievement. Oh, no, don't be ridiculous. No. <laughs> Merit doesn't come into it laughable well, idea. How silly. We're talking about America. Well, <laughs> Neil from Crawley has a second question about uh-huh. America. Mm. He says, in American films and TV shows, when a teenage party is depicted all the kids are always seen drinking from the exact same type of red plastic cups oh yeah ollie answer me this what's that about the red solo cups because i know how excited you are that solo cups are now available in crystal palace well i don't think they're on brand solo cups it's just that sainsbury's has started selling a very convincing lookalike. except there's of course a huge difference in price how much is it here Oh, I don't know. It's probably about £2 for 20. Yeah. Whereas, and this is the answer really, in America for the last 50 years, the plastic red cups of which you speak, which fit roughly a bottle of beer in, yep. um, they retail for like a dollar for a hundred. Yeah, so they that's became, America. Yeah. <laughs> they became undergraduate favourites because they're cheap. Yeah, but why are they always red? I have seen blue ones in real life but I've not seen any other colours on the spectrum. You could ask the same question, you know, why are washing up gloves often yellow latex? I mean, there actually comes a point where a colour becomes the thing people just associate with it. You know, why Mm. is toilet soap often green? It doesn't have to be. Do you think the mythologising has also contributed to the, the red cups being the ascendant cups? Yes, I think. When people started making films like Porky's, like American Pie... Dazed and Confused. ...which glamorised the keg party, think about it. If you're making a big Hollywood film... No alcohol company is going to want the characters in that film who are underage and getting drunk mm. and clearly showing the signs of getting drunk, having furtive sexual experiences, to be drinking Rolling Rock or Budweiser very clearly. That's not good promotion for them. In fact, they have their own self-regulatory framework saying mm. they cannot be seen to be advertising to under-21s. So I think that's why films started including the red cups. Okay, mm. rather Because cheap- you're not looking at a brand. Yeah, so not cheap tins. Because beer in bottles is relatively sophisticated than... A kegger, but then cheap beer in tins is probably cheaper than a keg. Mm, but if you're looking at a picture of a film star holding a red cup, you can't see what beer they're drinking. You just know no. that it's beer. So I think that then contributed to them becoming a bit more iconic than they were in the first place. And if yeah. it's the red ones they have in Porky's, it's the red ones you're going to want at your frat party, isn't it? I wonder why they started being red in the first place, though, rather than just say white. Just because. Maybe maybe it's a 4th of July thing where everything was the colours of the American flag. Mm, possibly, but then as you say, why not why, blue? Why not white? Yeah. 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 Here's another question of American culture from Simon from York who says, uh, Skylar from Breaking Bad has one. Yeah. Marge Simpson has one. Shit husband. The Griswolds from the National Lampoon <laughs> Vacation movies had one. Mm-hmm. I talk, of course, about... Sex tapes. Cars with wood panelling. Yay! Particularly station wagons. <laughs> so, Helen, answer me this. How and why did wood-panelled cars come to be? Is there any practical benefit to the wood? Or is it just design and aesthetics? Why did they really not take in the UK? Why have they become <laughs> a cliché for American family life? So many questions. Obviously, the great advantage of having uh, wood... Uh, around a petroleum engine. Oh, yes. <laughs> if there yeah. was an accident, you'd guarantee to be incinerated. That, that is one reason why you don't see so many wooden cars anymore. They were prone to fire and dry rot and termites. And also, they could only really deal with very moderate climates. Like, apparently, they were popular in Southern California because in a rainy climate, the wood's going to swell and then contract and then split and mm. going to be ruined. But why did they come to be in the first place, well, Helen? Well, Ollie, the early vehicles were, were wood because metal was so expensive then. Yes. And then as uh, metal came down in price, that was obviously a lot cheaper to shape and it was stronger as well than wood. 
so then wood became more decorative and then a kind of luxury because you would have it on a more expensive car that had been handcrafted and then in the mid 20th century there was a bit of a vogue for fake wood because people liked the warm look and uh, it was a bit retro and nostalgic yeah. um, but that's like a, a vinyl decal on the mm. car or it was painted on mm. the wood panelled station wagons were really popular family cars in the 70s and early 80s because they tended to be quite massive and then again that was reflected in tv you can imagine i the wonder years family driving around in one mm. and, um, and then it becomes self-perpetuating doesn't yeah. it it's like the red cups like they existed yeah. so they were documented but by being documented in a massive american tv series it then becomes aspirational well i'm not sure that the wooden cars have become aspirational because they're not cool like say when you sometimes see a 60s morris minor around in britain where it's got the wood frames on the windows mm. and little wood strips down the sides doesn't look very cool to have a, a mumsy station wagon does it so i'm not sure they've come back even ironically i think it would be cool i'd really yeah, like a wooden station well wagon. you can probably get one why it, don't you put some wood sticky back plastic on your mini <laughs> i think you can imagine that yourself and know the answer but in a, a proper station wagon like they have a national lampoon yeah that, that consumes an unbelievable amount of fuel yeah i'm sure it does but it's like in et mm. they have those kind of 1950s style stained glass chandeliers mm. uh, you know which are to indicate that this is basically you know a normal working class family yeah don't redecorate too often yeah expensive and yet because it's in et it's cool like i'd like one even though it doesn't even suit my house you know i'd pay a lot for it it's weird well, isn't it uh, i think it's just that things are quite niche and then things become cool and then things become mainstream and then they start being so ubiquitous that you cease to appreciate them and then they become quite naff and then they become nichely appreciated again and the cycle continues. Where are we in that cycle, I wonder? We, we are the wooden car of podcasting. <laughs> now it's time for the intermission brought to you by Answer Me This episode 133, available now at answermethisstore.com. Hello, it's Tim from Watford. Uh, Helen Ollie, answer me this. Uh, why is it in Hamlet that the bad guy um, poisons Hamlet's father by pouring poison into his ear? As symbols go, it's a bit less obvious than Shakespeare having had him stabbed in the back, isn't it? <laughs> that would be a bit too clear cut. kicked up the arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or killed by a falling bed which had his wife copulating with another man on it. <laughs> You will have to take me at my word, listeners, when I say I love nothing more than to hear the sound of your voices when you're asking us a question. Well, that's going to be awkward for your girlfriend and your family. As I say, at my word. <laughs> um, you can leave a question in your own voice on our phone line, the number for which is... 0208123 Or you can Skype answer me this. Just make Ollie love something, though. Get in touch like this person has done. Oh, and this is Jonas from Haddaba. Answer me this. How can I tell my parents that they should not just cold call me out of the blue on Skype expecting to video chat with me when they don't know whether I'm available for that at the moment? Um, because I don't just want to not be on Skype, but I also don't want them to just suddenly call me out of the blue and then suddenly I have to talk to them and just a minute ago, they called me and they actually had guests over and then I was stuck talking to these people whom I didn't know, whom I did not particularly want to know, uh, even though I don't live with my parents anymore, which was really, really awkward, especially once my father started going on about how many mistakes I had in my bachelor's thesis, how many spelling mistakes, 
and how embarrassing that was for him. There's a whole bucket of worms, isn't yeah. there? So your parents Skype you to criticise your undergraduate work. I think this They've is... They've got issues. This is a very Bridget Jones type scenario, yeah. it seems to me. I think uh, when, when the horrible day comes that Bridget Jones 3 is released in cinemas, it oh. will include a scene... Uh, in which Bridget has accidentally left Skype on yes, uh, and then her parents call while she's sitting there in her pants waiting for the gentleman to come back from the bathroom. Yeah, or she's trying to put on her big pants yeah. again yeah. and she's getting an important call from work. Yes. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, even young people, even people who are quite switched on technologically, quite savvy, don't seem to realise the always-on feature mm. of these products is all pervasive yeah um, and that can catch you out it caught my mum out i mean she's not really? very technologically savvy she didn't get caught putting on her giant bridget jones pants did she she didn't she uh she she, she de- developed an interest in skype for keeping in touch with people who she's friends with in the caribbean mm-hmm. um and good, then, good reason to be on skype yes indeed uh, and then one day she had a call from an international friend um and it rang and she sort of i guess impulsively kind of pressed accept mm. like obviously didn't mean to just mm. kind of you know i think of especially people of a certain generation if something happens on a screen they oh, feel they oh, have to respond oh, panic, to it panic. Yeah. yeah exactly what do i do ah press return it'll yeah, go away press everything yeah pressed accept yes and then obviously it started connecting up her friend who was calling her video call video call uh, now my mum at that point didn't want to have the call because she was uh, not dressed appropriately um so she uh she said she saw what the other person saw because you see yourself yes. don't you on the screen and the other person saw her say shit and then dive under the desk <laughs> <laughs> and hide <laughs> and the other person on the other end was going karen karen are you there Karen. Poor your mum. I feel that Jonas could be controlling this issue more from his end because on Skype you can make yourself invisible mm. or uncontactable. Is it like Facebook? Can you say there are some people I want to be visible to, some people I don't? Well, the Skype interface leaves a lot to be desired, I think. So I believe you can sort your contacts into lists and then I suspect you can make yourself visible only to certain mm. of those lists. But because the interface is so bad, I haven't been able to investigate fully for you, Jonas, but I do believe that that ought to be possible. But if not, then just make yourself invisible. And if there was someone in particular you were hoping would call you, then I think they probably still can. Well, your parents just don't answer. What's wrong with just not answering? What will happen? What's the worst that can happen then? But I guess when it's your parents, you think, oh, is this something important? You know, I think he knows. I think he knows that if it's important, then he'll hear about it later. I think there is a way of saying, look, when you're with guests... Do you mind not calling me so that I don't have to speak to people I don't know, especially on video yeah. call? I mean, that's if they're having yeah. a dinner party and you're or, there or how, sitting at, yeah. at home in your underwear. Yeah. Or how about each time you speak to them, you then decide a time and date for your next Skype call? So if you say, okay, well, how about 8 p.m. a week Sunday? Mm. That would work all right, wouldn't it? That's not too untactful. But I don't think you can really come out and say to them, don't call me at certain times because then inevitably they'll want to know because they sound like quite picky parents mm. they will want to know won't they mm. and also will probably want to defy your orders there are very very few contexts in which constant availability to anyone is a necessity i think you need to create an expectation with your parents jonas could start training his parents if he doesn't want yeah. to actually make it obvious that he is just by answering first one in every two calls and then one in three and then maybe they'll start calling less often this is like dog training you're discussing yeah, it's, yeah, it's parent expectation training. management. You... For instance, Ollie, I don't want to hurt you, but sometimes you'll send me quite a lot of emails which seem to be you trying to work out things, but because you're emailing me, it's on my time. So I'll only answer one, the one that seems most pressing. Now you know. Now you know the technique! Oh, my God. Uh, I'm trying to think if I'm aware of that or if that bothers me. <laughs> it doesn't look I, like it does. I mean, I send you... I'm trying to think of an example. I've never noticed that, no. I'll send you maybe five emails about... In my head... 
I like to keep each email to a different subject. So yeah. If there's an email about meeting on Wednesday, I'll send you one about that. Then I'll send you one about... I'd prefer a digest. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you see, yeah, but you see what you do Maybe in response. What Helen does in response, which is annoying as I'll well. I'll only answer one of your questions. You'll only... No. You'll well, often answer all five questions in response to one of the questions. Exactly. I'll give yeah, you... No, no, you say yeah. exactly. The problem is, in the future, three weeks later, when I think, what was that thing Helen said? I, there's no way for me to search for it because they're all on one email yeah. that's titled something completely different. Yeah, well, then that's why you need to send me a digest and then they'll all be collected in the right place. Mm. But then, how did, So what you're suggesting is that what I need to do is, as I think of a question that I want to ask you or something I want to discuss with you, I need to compose an email to you and then save it as a draft until I've got five things to ask yeah, you. Yeah. That's you, ridiculous. No, it isn't, because you know that within about two hours you'll have remembered the other four things. Another thing to do is limit the number of emails you send to, say, one day. And even if that only has... Th- three things in there i'm sure helen wouldn't mind it's probably yeah. the volume of email rather than the uh, the, the d- dispersion that she yeah. objects and, to and also it makes me think that all of those things are a, a fifth as important as one thing would be you see no i don't think i do actually mm. well experiment with the digest and see if you get better results from me right yeah but i hadn't noticed that you don't respond oh well that's kind of good isn't it because otherwise you might take it as an I think uh, what I'm saying rude. is I'm happy with the status quo. I mean, I'm happy sending you not, five emails. If you're not happy responding them, I hadn't noticed you weren't happy responding I'm not happy them. with receiving them. And then I get them. the response that you get. I'm going to block you until you learn how to confine your thoughts to a single email. But anyway, that's proof that just uh, <laughs> non-answering is quite a good technique because it's not that offensive. Whereas if I'd said, stop emailing me so much, you dickhead, mm. then you would be offended, like Jonas's parents would be. I'm trying to build a website to bring tourists to Radlit But when I open it up on my smartphone or tablet Something goes wrong and it just looks a bit shit Unlike Hertfordshire itself While well, try building that website using Squarespace On desktop and devices it will look simply ace As well designed as Hertfordshire with all that lovely green space County of Opportunity and Stevenage Thanks very much, Squarespace, for bankrolling this episode of Answer Me This. And listeners, if you want to start your own Squarespace site using their very easy drag and drop templates and their 24-7 customer service based in New York and Dublin, then you can get 10% off all of that for a year by using the code ANSWER. Well, here's a question from Lizzie from London who says, Helen, answer me this. How does Pebble Dash arrive on the side of a house? Magic. Uh, I've never thought of it arriving at all. I've thought of it being applied. Yeah, uh, really. or just always being there. Because um, otherwise, why would it be there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know we've covered before yeah. why would it be there. But seriously, still, I don't understand. Why is it there? Yeah. Uh, rock the cracks in the masonry a different way. Yeah, exactly. Lizzie says, my boyfriend suggested builders use a hose or gun. <laughs> uh, this seems extremely dangerous and would surely result in pebble showers on neighbouring grannies. Or imagine the revenge you could take on someone pebble dashing them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's ow, brilliant. Ow. Yeah, that seems like could... the kind of thing that would happen in like a Ray Winston film that was yeah. only available on VHS. Or like um, a 70s Midlands version of Scooby-Doo where the kids spray a foe with pebble dust and then they have to crack it open so that law enforcement can <laughs> take them away. I don't they put the undercut onto the house and then yeah. spray it on... Okay, spray what it. I always imagined happened... In <laughs> your wildest dreams. Uh, ...is that it's... I presumed mixed in with the concrete first, rather like salted right. peanuts might be added to a chocolate fridge cake well, before it sets. That is rough casting, where you mix the render with the pebbly lumps and then put it on yeah. with a trowel. And that's what whereas happens? Pe- whereas no. pebble dashing, oh. you put like the layer of render on yeah. yes. and then you throw a trowel full of pebbles throw. at the render. Yeah. Oh, right. Throw? From a short distance. 
Yeah, it does seem like a very inefficient Human system. being throws it. Yeah, but I think I think the reason why this happens rather than the hose is because you can only do a small area of pebble dash at a time because uh, otherwise it would all just start dripping down the wall and then you'd have this big pebbly blob at the bottom of the wall and nothing yeah. on your walls. <laughs> so I think they have to do a small area, fling the pebbles on, press them in with uh, a piece of wood usually and then let it dry and then do the next bit. Wow. Demystifying that explanation. Yeah, I know. And it? so much more complicated and time-consuming. It's a lot of effort for that effect. Well, we have another question of Holmes on the phone line. Hi, it's James. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. I was listening to one of your older podcasts, and Helen, you mentioned that you and Martin were on one of my favourite TV shows of all time, 60 Minute Makeover. First, I'd just like to clarify, while Martin was on 60 Minute Makeover as a decorator on one episode... One episode only. I was actually on the production team for Series 2 of 60 Minute Makeover so nearly your 10 years ago. So yes, quite old. Yeah, it's The way it's they old. produce 60 Minute Makeover now might be entirely different. Yes, I, I absolutely might. But he's mentioned Claire Sweeney, who only presented the first few series. So maybe he's all into retro 60 Minute Makeover rather than modern. Because I, the current presenter is Peter Andre. Well, I think that's about his level. He can hug people, he can admire their new kitchen... I guess. It's such a weird career he's had, isn't it? Mm. It's more than he deserves, though, really, isn't it? Mysterious Girl, Ironic Career Renaissance, Children with Jordan. Yeah, a lot of fame at that time. Reality TV show with Jordan. Yeah. Then Divorce. Then, like, three or four fake relationships with other people who are in the public eye and still a reality show, implausibly. He's still... Like, who is still interested in the life of Peter Andre? And yet he's still in his 30s, I think. Is he? Extraordinary. Very young-looking. Amazing. So I want to know, what happens... In 60 minute makeover, when like, people don't want their homes, like sometimes they do some horrendous things to other people's property. And it's more like when they did the secret ones, like if someone comes home and it's terrible, do they have to pay to have it fixed or does the, the production fix it for them? And also, what's Claire Sweeney like? Because I think she's amazing. I think she's like a drag queen, but actually a woman. Uh, I did meet Claire Sweeney very briefly, James. She has a firm handshake and she has extremely projectile boobs because she was wearing a thick jumper and they were still like nuclear warheads. So I don't know whether she had had uh, either a very firm bra on or she had had some enhancement in that area. I also peered into her handbag which was a, an expensive handbag, but pink, so it looked very cheap. Oh. And there was uh, <laughs> half a packet of crumpets in there. Oh. That, that's all my Sweeney info, I'm afraid. But, uh, were, they, were they cooked? No, they were raw. Now, is there any reason, because when Nigella was in court, there was all this business about her having, was it Tabasco? Was it? In, uh, her, in handbag? her handbag. That apparently warns off uh, drug dogs from the smell of cocaine. That was an oh, allegation really? we discussed in the tabloids. Sure, what, a closed bottle of Tabasco? I don't know how it that works. That sounds like bullshit. Well, no, I think, well, it was quite... A, a lot of people said this was the reason why you'd be carrying it around. Well, I reckon it was because Sweeney was also a spokesperson for Weight Watchers, and that's a Weight Watchers approved snack. A crumpet. Just walking around with crumpets? Well, you know, she was doing a long day of shooting at someone's home and uh, therefore she might have needed a little pick-me-up. A snack on a raw crumpet. The production, given that it was bringing a load of homewares into a house, I'm sure could supply a toaster <laughs> okay. for Sweeney. It was probably in her rider. All right. Well, no, I mean, it's a little insight, isn't it, into yeah. her? Definitely. Indeed. What yeah. was his actual question? Um, yeah, so, yeah, people hating right. their houses. Right, OK. It was, sorry, it was mustard that Nigella Lawson carried around her handbag. I just Googled it. Right. Yeah, not Tabasco. Jar of mustard or mustard powder? Mustard, I don't know. But anyway, it was mustard that apparently the drug Interesting. dogs... Interesting. Never mind, carry on with right, what okay. you were saying. I think the contracts were written in such a way that people who undergo this process understand that if they don't like it, they can lump it. And what they do have is a load of paintwork they can pay someone to do properly and at least 15 grand's worth of stuff that they can sell, like new TVs, new sofas, etc. That's true. Right. So if you're... If you're if you're sobbing through pain, yeah. you're also thinking, but I got 15 grand. Right. As of series two, there was one flat where 
they had to go and undo a load of stuff because this guy had a beautiful flat in a converted Victorian school mm-hmm. in quite a posh part of London. He had a double height living room. Oh, I know the type, yeah. Yeah, they put a climbing wall in there. And, <laughs> and they sprayed it in purple and pink camouflage. Why? And so I had to go and buy the exact same white paint he had, which was over 100 quid a tin. Uh-huh. And someone had to repaint it properly. But leaving it as a climbing wall. I think they also dismantled the climbing wall. Why would you want a climbing wall? Well, exactly. A natural human being wouldn't, and he didn't. But TV, they're like, hey, let's put a climbing wall in here. That's so weird. Yeah, it's like getting rid of your staircase and putting a water slide there. Imagine sitting, like, hanging upside down on a climbing wall watching telly in the evening. Well, exactly. And also, they'd converted the living room into a climbing room, but also one of the other rooms into, like, a fake Moroccan souk. So it was all hangings and all the furniture was very low and made out of goat leather. That's a clash of styles. It was a clash of styles and I don't think he enjoyed it. No. I just felt like it wasn't the same personality they were catering for and neither of those personalities were those of the guy who owned the flat. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they had to redo that. But I think generally they legally tried to avoid getting to that pickle. As you are, I'm sure, unsurprised to learn. Mm. You could be series producer of 60 Minute Makeover by now if you'd stuck it out, Helen. If I'd stayed, I believe... uh, You and Peter Andre could be on speed dial. I believe um, uh, a girl who was... Uh, a junior researcher on my first day we had to spend five hours together in ikea i think she might be head of 60 minute makeover now pretty wow. much wow yeah yeah look what could have been yours <sighs> i've ruined my life and look what could have been yours listeners if only you'd sent us a question we could have been answering it on this week's show we could have but uh, you didn't so we didn't but maybe it could be yours next episode so do email phone or skype in your questions and all of our contact details are handily available on our website answermethispodcast.com and whilst you're there click the link in the right hand bar that says radio radio and on the radio page you'll see all our radio stuff like Helen is on 5 Live every Saturday I am on LBC every weekday morning from 1 but also uh, our Radio 4 documentary podcasting the first 10 years not available as a podcast as a few million of you have asked yes which is ironic and yes we get that that's Uh ironic Uh, but it is the good news available on iPlayer to stream forever yes I think they listened to your pestering and felt that that was a reasonable compromise to make so you have in perpetuity to get round to listening to our two-part hour-long documentary Uh, Roman Mars is in it Richard Herring is in it The Bugle are in it Mark Maron is in it Night Vale but don't wait until perpetuity listen to it sooner than that yes I'm a bit disappointed you didn't interview me about one of my excellent podcasts like the sound of the ladies or brain train okay, yeah i'm well, sure yeah. all the radio 4 listeners felt the same yeah uh, in fact um because we did a lot of really interesting interviews with a lot of great podcasters we will also sneakily make those interviews available now i feel enough time has passed so if you're interested to hear more marin more nightville etc then uh, keep an eye on our well we'll put yeah. it on twitter and facebook links for which are also on our website yes uh, so that's how to yeah. keep in touch with that indeed and all that remains is to thank squarespace again for their support of this episode jolly decent of you thank you thank you and we will see you for episode 290 bye